So in uh, 1970, I came back from uh, playing basketball in a college in Alabama and uh, met the Lord. And the invitation hymn that night was, only those people who are willing to surrender to Christ. Now, as a preacher's kid, I'd heard all kinds of invitations. You know, like, come forward if you love your mother. You know, just trying to get everybody to come forward, you know, because that made the pastor look good. You know, come forward if you want a $50 bill. Uh, come forward. I heard all of them. Uh, but this one was, if you want to surrender to Jesus. Well, I had an unusual experience. My throat closed up. I thought I was smothering. And uh, I stumbled towards the front, and I said, I surrender. Um, and I did. That was the beginning of a wonderful, wonderful journey. Now, how many of you believe that when you surrender to Christ, or when you accept him, that means absolutely nothing in regards to sin? How many of you know we're all sinners saved by grace? There's nothing different than the guy out there and us. I was working construction because when I moved from Tennessee to northern Kentucky, the church wasn't large enough to support me, so I labored construction for six and a half years. I was sitting outside waiting for time to start work. I was working on Riverfront Stadium at the time. We were resurfing it, resurfacing it, and... Um, I was sitting in the car and I was watching the homeless guys come up and go through the garbage cans from the game the night before. Those guys would find a half of a hot dog and they would tear it in half and give one, give their buddy half and they'd take half. They'd find a, they'd find a piece, a, a half a cup of beer and he'd take a swig and, swig and he'd give the other half to his buddy. And I'm sitting there in all my righteous, sanctimonious feelings about me. And I looked over at them, and they're in their rags, and I said, God, what a pathetic waste of human skin. See how gracious I was? God fixed that later in life for me. And the Lord that quick said, the only difference between that guy and you is me. I said, whoa, <laughs> reality check, <laughs> reality check, what's the difference between you and the lowest form of life, human life on the planet? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. There is nothing else. I found that the stages of Christianity being at this thing for close to... 50-some years, is that the first thing we do is we accept Jesus. How many of you started out accepting Jesus? Accept Jesus as your Savior. Rage, put your hand in the air and disturb the molecules. And, and everybody goes, yeah, it's me, it's me. And then we come to some place in our lives where it's not about me escaping hell, but it's actually about me following Jesus. It's like, wow, Jesus expects me to follow him. Because then you're, you're reading the first part of that, uh, that New Testament, and, and he says to all the boys, he says, come and follow me. Yeah. And all the boys go, yeah, I wonder what their wife. You know, I always wondered about that. <laughs> Peter had a wife. How did he explain that when he went home? I quit my job today. Oh, you did. <laughs> What are you doing? Well, nothing. Well, who's going to feed Pete Jr. here? Who's going to pay for this? Who's putting food on the table, big boy? You know, I just wonder how that conversation, you ever wonder about those kind of things? <laughs> Petey, come here. Pow. Go back to work. She says, well, if you're not doing nothing, you've got to be doing something. He said, well, I'm following this guy named Jesus. Oh, my gosh, not a TV preacher. <laughs> Did you give all our money to a TV preacher? 
he said, well, not all of it. How much? Most of it. My mom's sick, and we got to pay for the doctor. Uh, later on, I imagine she got converted. But when Jesus said, come and follow me, it costs us sometimes. But then I found out that after I walked in that for a few years, that there's another place. That Christ is actually, and, and, and Nick said it, he actually wants us transformed. He wants us fundamentally changed from who we are. Now, what's he want us changed into? He wants us changed into him. He wants us to be transformed. You know, it, we read that in, in Romans 12, and it says, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It never says what you're being transformed into because Paul already took it for granted that you knew you were going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. You were going to be transformed not just into his likeness, but you were going to be somehow mystically transformed into him. Now that's a piece of work. If that doesn't, if that doesn't wobble your brain, that the Lord God Almighty of heaven and earth, all powerful, that keeps the, the galaxies circling in place as well as, you notice he likes patterns, as well as the atomic structure in you circling in place. What does it say in Colossians? The consistency of all things. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to be him on earth. Now we're going to talk about it. We're going to get there. But I want to start, and if you're taking notes, this is my premise, my thesis. I, I did take some of those classes, although I don't know that it did all that much good. Because Jesus and I had a conversation. I said, Lord, did you, do you, you do know who you called. He said, yeah, I know you screw up. But I happen to need that right now because I want to show people how great I am. So, well, you made a good choice there. You know? The essence of life or the goal of the Christian life is union with Christ, not avoidance of sin. Union with Christ, not avoidance of sin. I believe the church has given sin so much power because we focus on sin. You know you go where you're focused. Whatever's in, your, in, in front of you, you go towards that. If we learned anything from Jacob and his sheep, you put striped stuff in front of sheep and you get striped sheep. So when we're pursuing union with Christ, we have to deal with this thing called sin first. In Romans, if you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, I'm sure you've memorized it, so that's a good thing. Or you can look it up on the phone. In the sixth chapter of Romans, uh, around the 16th verse, the Bible says this, Paul says this to a church. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now he's talking about obedience of God. But God be thanks that though you were slaves to sin... Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves to righteousness. Now we're going to read in 2 Corinthians where it says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when we're set free to righteousness, we're set free in, Christ, in God 
to be Christ Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not going to start creating things. That's not, there's, there's mutable and immutable aspects of God. In other words, there's aspects of God that he can give to us that we can be like him. And then there's aspects of God that we can never attain. We could never do what God is. I cannot say, let there be light, and there's light. It's like the little boy in school. He wrote a letter to God, and he said, God, in school we heard that Thomas Edison created light, but I really think he stole your idea. <laughs> well, he did. Because God said, ex helio, out of nothing, light. I can't do that. But we're set free from sin. How many of you feel like you're set free from sin? How many of you worry about sin and say, oh my, I, I, did I sin today? What did I sin today? I need to confess. I'll tell you what, if you need to confess, God will let you know you need to confess it. It'll come up in your mind, but I want you to know this. Don't dwell on the sin. Don't focus on the sin. Confess it and get past it. He said we confess our sins one to another. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, we focus too much on sin. Church, it's not about sin. We didn't get saved not to sin. We got saved to be like Jesus Christ. That's what we got saved to be like. He's not looking for a bunch of people in the world who are going to go, Hey, I am sinless. Because I've worked my dog and tail off to be sinless. Because he already tried that with a bunch of people in the Old Testament called some Israelites. And they didn't do so well with that. It was a crash and burn from the very beginning. So he said, we're going to start this thing off differently. What we're going to do is we're going to start with the people where I deal with sin and you become like me. We are slaves to Christ. That means we obey him. We sit there looking at him. What do you want, Jesus? Jesus did that in John. If, you, if you'd like to read something, read, read through the book of John, the Gospel of John, and see how many times that Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do. I don't say anything but what I hear the Father say. The only thing I do is what Dad does. Because Jesus is saying to us, what I'm looking for is a people that don't try to avoid sin. They just want to do whatever God, whatever Dad and I are doing. They want to be in the game, in the job, in the work, in the yoke. At one point, he says, take this yoke upon you. He said, I want you in this with me. Jesus didn't walk around saying, I don't have to sin today. I'm sinless. I, I'm going to avoid sin. I don't think Jesus walked through the... Walked through the uh, Red light district of Jerusalem going, uh, i got to go over here because the prostitutes are over there. Matter of fact, it said he hung out with the prostitutes and the sinners. They said he's a friend of sinners. How many sinner friends you got? Most Christians don't have sinner friends because they're afraid sin's going to jump on them. I want to tell you something. If you're like Jesus Christ, what you got in Jesus Christ is going to jump on them. You hear what I'm saying? So this, we need to deal with this focus on sin. I, I found that most people who can, are condemned by, as sinners already know they're sinners. They meet a lost person. You don't need to tell them they're sinners. They already know that. They'll say things like, well, I know I don't make your God happy. They'll say things like, well, I know if I went to church, the church building would fall down. Why do they say that? Because they already know they're not right with God. They don't need you to remind them. They need you to say, hey, there's a way out of this thing, man. You don't have to live under that bondage. There's a new, there's a new sheriff in town. New master. Master Jesus. And you start doing what he says. And the sin just kind of... There's a song we used to sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You know, that sin starts to grow strangely dim when you say, I want to be like Jesus. 
Now, you can't be like Jesus very much unless you know the Word, so you've got to be immersed in the Word. You've got to be saturated with the Word because then you know, hey, this is what Jesus would do. I like Shelton's book, uh, you know, What Would Jesus Do? He was a liberal theologian in his day, so there's some of his things I'm not too sold on, but what would Jesus do? Remember that a few years ago? The Word of the Bracelets, oh, what would Jack Daniels do? Or, I mean, what would Jesus do? But there was, there was those kind of things. You wear that bracelet around. And, and, and I wonder how many people wore that bracelet but actually did not ask themselves, did not marry in their being, in, in their subconscious thoughts, what would Jesus do in this situation? I think that's a marvelous question. Not how do I not sin. That's not the question. What would Jesus do? Because if you're doing what Jesus do, you're not going to sin. Best way to avoid Jesus is to obey, or best way to avoid sin is to obey Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For may he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so we don't have to worry about our sin, we're not sinful, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have to be in him. Another place it says we are hidden with Christ. We're in union with Christ. So let's talk about that union with Christ just a little bit. I'm, I'm looking at Philippians 3, and we're around verse 7. And, and, and I want to read that to you. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. He says, I'm not saying what I've done that's good. You know, I know people that want to measure our goodness as Christians against their goodness as non-Christians. Paul's saying here, I, I count everything that I have except being with Christ loss indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish now if you want to get an education the, the Bible doesn't dress up these words this word is actually processed bull feed it, it's pretty earthy language, you know. It says, I, I've, I've counted them as manure, that I may gain Christ to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, from things I do, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being transformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the day. Now, I want to look at a couple words here. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, if you look that word up in the language Jesus was using, it would be translated like this. If I knew him the way I know my wife in sexual intercourse in becoming one. There, there's no more intimate act on the earth. And that's why God wants to preserve that for marriage between a man and a woman, between anybody, than the sexual union. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I want to know. I want to know the power of the resurrection because I've actually entered into a union with Christ that is like nothing else. I've entered into an intimacy with Christ that I am vulnerable with Christ. That between Christ and I, there's a new life that emerges called me. 
And then if you go down to the next word, it says, and the fellowship of his suffering. Now that word fellowship, it again is a word for intercourse, but it's not sexual intercourse. It's the intercourse that a community has as it begins to become intimate with each other and know each other. My mom was raised in, uh, in rural Kentucky. And in rural Kentucky, in those communities, those farm communities, people have grown up generations knowing the families. And they knew the character in those families. So if you were back there, you would have, you know, you would have the Colsons, and you'd have anyone talking about another family and they would say yeah you know those Perkins they can't tell the truth because the family trait they're thieves they're whatever or you know the Simpsons you can count on them if you give them a day's work they're going to give you a day and a half's work you know them because the intimacy that they were sharing was a communing a communal in intimacy of knowing the way people lived and how they celebrated life. And so what this is talking about is that I want to commune. The word is actually, it can be used as commune too. I want to commune with Christ. I want to be involved experientially in knowing him in his suffering. Wow. So they're, they're, these are two things. When Paul's saying, I, I want to know him, he, they're talking about a whole level of not just, hi, my name's Dennis. I went around to a lot of you before. I, hey, my name's Dennis. I won't remember most of your names. I'd like to. Wish I had a mind like that. But, you know, at, at 69, my mind, I, I, it left me about 60. And you, 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 you got what you got now. Sorry. But... You, you know what I'm saying? I, I, hey, I'm Dennis. So, so you'd say, yeah, I know him. I, I listened to one of his sermons. You don't know me. 47 years logged by this lady. She knows me. <laughs> Depending on what I'm preaching, I like to have her around or not around. If, if I want to be false, I don't want her around. Because you see, I don't have to tell the truth. It's new people, and I can just come across like I'm a real sanctimonious guy. Like, you know, I'm, I can be pharisaical. But if she's around, she goes, no, I don't believe that. She says, oh, amen. Or she says, oh, me. If she says, oh, me, that, that part's no good to listen to. You know what I'm saying? How, how do you want to know Jesus? How do you want to walk with him? So we have one part that's actually the Hebrew idiom for intercourse between a man and a woman. We actually have a fellowship, another word that means to a, a, a participation or intercourse of a non-sexual way. It says there's a deeper intimacy with God than probably what we as Christians have ever thought. Now we don't get there by focusing on sin because you can't be double. You can't have your eye on two places. You can't be saying I'm trying not to sin and I'm wanting to know Jesus. You got to make a decision. You're either going to be a religious Christian or you're going to be a godly Christian. And if you focus on Jesus and you give yourself to know him, then what's going to happen is sin's going to drift away from you because Jesus never sinned. And the more I'm like Jesus, the less I have to worry about with sin because he took it on himself. Does that, do you all know what I'm trying to say here? Okay. So that brings us to the last 
I didn't say closing. That's, that's the number one lie of preachers is in closing. <laughs> How many ever heard preachers lie like that? Yeah. I'm going to try not to. My last point, I didn't say in closing. Second Peter 1. We're going to look at a couple of verses here, 2 and 4, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, there's that knowledge again, of God and of Jesus, our Lord. And his divine power has been given to us. His divine power has been given to us. Wait a minute, did you hear that? I don't have the power to overcome sin, but his divine power has been given to me not to overcome sin, but let's look on and see why he's given us divine power. Has given, uh, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He said, man, I give you my divine power to live a life of godliness. Through the knowledge, there's that knowledge again, of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great, and precious promises that through these you may be taker, partakers, 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 partakers of a divine nature. What? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So here he puts it in context for us. He says, I... I'm going to come into union with you, Scott. And because of that union that Christ has with him, Scott doesn't worry about the nature of lust. Now that divine nature is God. That's God's nature. And so the focus of most of the Christians that I know of and a lot of the churches, and especially when I grew up in some of the fundamental churches I grew up in, that the whole focus was not on being like Jesus. The focus was, oh, we would say it. But the way we practiced it was trying not to be a sinner. When I grew up, man, we didn't even go to a restaurant that had a bar in it. We're afraid whatever's in that bar is going to jump on us. Now I walk into the bar and I go, hey, all you demons, I'm here. Because <laughs> I read this thing in the Old Testament. It says, wherever you put your foot. What did it say there? What, what, what did it say there? Wherever you put your foot, I give that to you. Yeah, wherever you put your foot, that's where you are. Whatever, wherever you put your foot, Joshua, I'll give that to you. I'll walk in the bar. Oh, hey, I'm here. Now, I don't say it out loud because most of the drunks would fall over and, and, and get sober. <laughs> and I don't want drunks to get sober unless they're going to deal with why they got drunk. And nothing like a mad drunk. And a mad drunk is a sober drunk unless he's dealing with what's broken in him. So when I walk in there, on the internal part of me, I go, I'm here. Now they know who I'm talking to. And they got to make way. Because the nature of Christ, in a sense, Christ in a form has walked into that place. Now that's the same with you. That's not unique to me. That's for all of God's people to have. When you walk into a conversation, you can say, I'm here with Jesus. Now that is if you're in transformation. That is if you're taking on his nature. Now that doesn't happen overnight, but it happens. I've got some areas where I'm better now than I was before, and I've got some areas where I'm not sure I've started yet. But I've started. 
So there's a little bit of Christ in the world through me that there wasn't before. And that's what Christ is looking for. What did Moses say? Uh, fill the earth with the glory of the Lord. How do you do that? How do you do that if we're not transformed into the image of Christ? Why did Jesus come to earth? Because the earth fell. He didn't come for the purpose of saving us from sin and hell. That was a byproduct. He came to reinstate us for the reason God created man. He created man in his image to rule and reign in the earth as God would rule and reign. So he hung out with him every evening said, how's it going, son? Are you ruling this thing the way I would? Here's what I would do. And he was being transformed into the image of God. I think that's an eternal thing. I think that's the purpose of heaven. That we will continually and eternally be transformed in the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Can't wait to get there. Now I'm not buying a ticket on the next train out. But I do want to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Said the divine nature. The word there is in nature is growth or germination. By implication, the natural production of life increasing. So it says, actually, the divine, the nature of God, germinating and generating life in me. That's exactly what that's saying to us. That's the way it's supposed to work. Not you trying not to be a sinner. You trying to be like Christ. And the more you're like Christ, the less you're going to sin. It's a byproduct. It's like Jesus coming to earth. Jesus came to earth and said, hey, uh, Dad and I and, and Spirit Man over here, uh, we, we made you all in our image, and then you all blew it, and you fell from our image, and I wanted to come back to bring our image back into mankind so the earth could be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's what it's about. So what's your focus? You know, what motivates you? Now, I laughingly said that I get up in the morning and get saved, and I do, but I don't get saved from sin every morning. When I get up in the morning, I try to say, Lord, we're going to do this together. I, I need you to do this because if you're not with me in this deal, it, it's not going to go well. I, I've, been, I've been on my own before and it, it, it didn't go well. I, I need you in this deal with me. And then I look for how he's going to be with me that day. If I'm making a knife, I learn things every time I make a knife, and I've made hundreds of them. And I go, wow, here's the way you put it together. Here's the edge you put on it. Here's a flaw in this one that I have to, I have to work extra hard to grind that out or to redo that because this is where I'm learning that whatever that knife is that I'm creating is what God's creating me to be. Sometimes my edge gets dull. Some places I don't hold an edge very long. And so I have to go back and I have to work on that knife till it holds an edge. And you know what? God has to work with me to hold an edge. And that's not talking about sin. That's talking about being alert and being a representative of his in every situation. And I don't see not being a representation of him as being a sinner. I see not being a representation of him as not being a representation of him. So I want to know him. And, and, and that knowing is I, I, I want to be transformed into his image. I'm an image bearer. 
is what I am. That's what you are. And the image bearer isn't that I'm flawless and sinless. An image bearer is that every act, every motive, every thought is being transformed so that I think and act like Jesus. It's simplest thing there is. It's the hardest thing there is, but it's doable because God said what? I know you can't do it. Had all those boys uh, in the Old Testament trying to do it without the Holy Spirit, but I gave you the Holy Spirit, so it's doable. It's doable because I have to rely on the Holy Spirit every day. Okay. You know, the, the vision statement in our church is that we want to help people to love and know God and be transformed into his image for his glory by his power. And that's what we're talking about today. We want to be transformed into his image. Can't do it by my power. Have to do it by his power. But that's what we're looking at. Okay, so... Uh, any questions, comments? You're allowed to talk in church. Uh, step to that first is be saturated with the Word of God, and second is in Second Corinthians 10 to begin to bring every thought into the captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know how to bring thoughts into the captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ unless we know the word. So I have a reading program that I encourage people. Uh, I have one program that you can read through the New Testament once a month. I have another one where you can read through it every two months. It takes about 40 minutes a day. But I encourage people to take six months and read through the New Testament once a month not a Bible study, something that just begins to saturate us with the Word of God. And um, so we start with saturation, and then we began with, uh, you know, in Romans 12 it says renew our minds, but in Second Corinthians 10 it says the way we renew our minds is we take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. And so those are the, those are the two primary two primary steps. The third step is, is I spend time in contemplation of who God is and who I am with him. Um, and that constitutes a lot of my prayer life and my meditation um, rather, than, rather than spending time on what did I do wrong. It's spending time contemplating my relationship with Christ and who he is. Okay. Okay. Any other comments or questions? Does that answer? Okay. Any other comments or questions? Yes. Yes. You know, they watch football players, and if a guy gets tackled and his head, whenever he falls, if he falls with his head forward, that's the guy you want to draft because he's got his head headed towards the goal. Now in Hebrews 6 it says, you know, we can fall by the wayside, but it says we fall forward. Now that's an important thing. If I sin, I sin going towards Christ. I'm not saying I don't sin because I do sin. God knows I sin. Uh, in, 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 in what, what's that city where they train, used to train the circus performers? Sarasota, uh, down in Florida in the wintertime. Uh, they don't do it so much because all the circuses closed down, but they used to have the high wire act. One of the first things they taught someone on the high wire act is you look at where you're going, you never look down because you will always go where you look. If you look down, you'll fall off. But if you look forward and you concentrate on putting your feet in front of the other, then you learn to walk on a tightrope. Isn't that a picture? Keep your eyes on Jesus and you stay on that, on that tightrope. 
you start looking up, I don't want to miss the tightrope, then you'll fall. Yeah, he got distracted from looking at Jesus. And I like Pete. Uh, I like the fact that when he got in the boat, they go, ah, oh, Pete, you, <laughs> you fell, you almost drowned. He said, yeah, but I got farther walking on water than any of you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, any other? Thank you. That's a good, and, and thank you. Any other comments or questions? Well, I would like for us to start. There is, oh, yes. And, and, sin be, and sin gets the glory. It's like sin was this victory, and it still has victory over you. And it's like, no, Jesus was saying, I, I want you to come back to your original creation, and sin is an obstacle, so I'm going to knock the obstacle out of the way so you can get on with what you were created to do. That's right. That's right. So I appreciate that. Well, one of the ways that we become... We come into union with Christ is through his body and blood. Um, and we can't come into union with Christ celebrating his body and blood without losing who we are. We're going to have a wafer. You ever thought about how we got this wafer? There's this little grain of wheat hanging out with all his buddies on the stem, all connected together, all having a high old time, and all of a sudden this wind of dust cursed coming, and he hears this rumbling and this and this loud noise and this thundering, and he, what is going on? And all his buddies are going, I don't know. What do you think that is? You think it's a tornado or what? And then the thrashing machine comes and rips them off of, the, off of their little happy place together and puts them into a bin, and they lose contact with what they thought was their identity. And they're no longer connected to what was comfortable. But all of a sudden, they've lost that identity of, I'm here on my happy little stalk with all my happy little family and my happy little buddies. And then you're here in this strange place, shaking around with everything, and you're going down the road, and then they pour you into this big bin, and then, they, and then all of a sudden, you hear this grinding, and then this grinding, and all of a sudden, now you're pulverized. And so what happens is the only thing left to you is little bitty pieces that's mixed with people and things you never knew. And it's like, man, I've lost my identity. But I'm gaining a new identity because now I hear this word called flower. It's like, here's a bag of flour, and it's like, I thought of myself as a grain, now I'm flour. Wonder what that is. And then I'm stuffed in this little dark bag, and, 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 and I sit, and all of a sudden I feel, whoo, thud. And I'm in this thing again, driving me down the road, and then I, I'm in this house, and all of a sudden the bag rips open, and there's, a, there's light again. And I'm poured out with some of these other parts of things I didn't know. And in comes the water, the milk, and the sugar. And I start to get mushed. And I mush together. And then part of me's taken out of this, and I'm rolled around, and I'm flattened down. And then I start to smell something. What is that? That smells like heat. Uh -huh. and, 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 
And instead of going into the heat right away, there's this thing starts to happen in me. It's like... And I start to rise up with all my others. I get bigger than what I was. And then I get stuck in this furnace. And I'm heated up so hot, the consistency of who I was is changed once more into bread. And now the purpose for which I was on the stock has now become the purpose for which I was always destined. And that was to become nourishment for someone else. Now the old the, the new or the early church would call this often they would say this is the body of Christ feeding the body of Christ. The whole I just described to you the process of the crucifixion. I just described to you the process of your crucifixion. That Jesus became the bread of life for us, but what are we? What are you? Well, I want to be like Jesus. Well, he wants you to be like him because he wants you to become the bread of life for the community and the life of the world. So that maybe the only way people will ever taste Jesus Christ is a piece of your life. And the last time somebody tried to taste a piece of me, I got grumpy. Oh, that hurts. Don't do that. Jesus says, hey, are you going to feed the world with kindness and love and mercy and grace? Are you going to be like me? So today as we receive the body and the blood of the Lord, I want you to think about that. As I receive the body of Christ, am I willing to become the body of Christ for the world? Now we had these, uh, Nick, Nick touched on it in the beginning. Nick, it's all your fault that this is going so long. No, it's not. Don't blame that on Nick. I want to tell you he's doing a great job. So then we have this grape that's on this stem like the grain was, and it's all his buddies on this cluster, and they're just a happy family sitting on a cluster. Every once in a while, a wasp will land on or a bee or a fly or something, but no big deal. And then all of a sudden, you hear this, this motor coming down through the, 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 the field, and, and all of a sudden, you're separated from the stalk, and you think, I can't live if I'm not... If I'm not connected to the stock, and all of a sudden you're thrown in this pile, and, and you, when it happens, some of your family and buddies fall away, and you're going, oh my gosh, what's happening to us? We're no longer who we used to be. And then we're taken into this place, and all of a sudden, we start feeling the pressure, and we get mushed. And we get squished. And the very life of who we thought we were begins to run out. And we're separated to where I don't even know who I am anymore. I just, I'm just part of this big mess of goo and, and, and liquid swirled around with stinky women's feet stepping on me. Then all of a sudden I'm poured into this vat. And from this vat, I'm poured into a bottle. And I, I'm sitting there in this bottle, and it's not very clear. It's kind of got a hint to it. And, and all of a sudden, that and the fermenting process takes place. And it's turned into wine. The purpose for which I was birthed on the vine. That's what Jesus was. His blood was shed for our sin. Isn't there a place in the Bible where it says love covers a multitude of sins? Are you a representation of the blood of Christ poured out in this world? Not to focus on sin. but so you can focus on the nourishment, the life of Christ through the cleansing of his blood. Are we focused on our sinner friends in their cleansing and their forgiveness or on their sin? They already know they're sinners. You know, Jesus wasn't hard on sinners, was he? Who was he hard on? 
the preachers, the preachers of the day. You know, Jesus knows sinners already know they're sinners. He gave his his life for the life of the world. And you know what? If we're going to be like Christ, we're going to give our lives for the life of the world. So when you receive the body and the blood of the Lord today, yes, he, he is, it, it, it is, brings health to us. It does bring cleansing to us. It does so many things. But one of the things it reminds us of is that our life, like Christ, is given for the life of the world. And, and I want to say to you, would you remind yourself that when you walk out that door today and tomorrow and the rest of this week and the rest of your life, that part of being like Christ is being food for the world and drink for the world so that the world tastes Christ and by some some grace of God, their appetite for righteousness as they hunger and thirst is unquenchable because they've tasted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. So I'm going to ask the men to come. Now, we do this different in our church, but I think we'll just do it the way you always do it. We're going to pass it around today and... So what I would like to do is, is I would just like to pray over it and then, and then however this happens, however you receive it, when you receive it and you reflect on, God, I want to become the life of the world as I receive your life, then I want you to receive it in your relationship with Christ. We're not going to do it as a, as a congregation all at the same time or anything like that. We're just going to do it when you in your heart says, I've made peace with Christ, to be Christ to the world, then I want you to go ahead and receive it. So, Father, we thank you for the body and the blood of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's true spiritual food and true spiritual drink. May we not only receive it, but may we be it to a lost and dying world as Christ was to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from New Covenant Fellowship. We'd love to connect with you. If God spoke to you today, if you'd like someone to pray for you, you can text us at 405-518-5164 or visit us at ncfokc.org to find other ways to connect with our church. God bless. Have a great day.